Hi, I'm Rudy Cunningham, and this is the Descent World Podcast. You're listening to the Descent World Podcast. I've got to say, it's nice to have you back. Stable through the bumps, stable through the air. It's just growing that quite as hard to keep dropping on the mountain. Fish, four fish fingers, some potato wedges, and some mushy peas. Two prolapse discs in my back, and uh, it's giving me some pincers in my legs, and I've got a separate shoulder. The new guy called Jason Jessops is in there. Jason Jessops' name is? In veteran class, he's pretty fast. In downhill, you can work to the minute, like everything, we can plan pretty much to the minute. But we can't do that now, because we don't have schedule it. You ever take it off any sweet jumps? You're listening to the Descent World Podcast. Here's Johnny. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Descent World Podcast. It's episode eight. My name's John Beckett. On tonight's show, we're being joined by Rory Cunningham, the former 2007 Junior World Champion. Winning in front of his home crowd was obviously one of his biggest highlights of his career. However, since then, he's come on leaps and bounds. Having ridden for some of the highest profile teams in the sport, he's recently signed with the Canyon Downhill Factory team under the watchful eye of Fabian Burrell, the former world champion. His teammates include Troy Brosnan and Mark Wallace, and this looks like it's going to be one of the teams to watch in 2007 at the World Cups. Right now, we managed to get Rory sat down, and he's on the other end of the line. Listen in and enjoy. Hi everyone, welcome to the Descent World Podcast. Tonight we've got a special guest. It's taken a while to get him on, but uh, welcome Rory, how are you? I'm good, John. Uh, how are you, mate? I'm, I'm excellent, thanks, and thanks for taking the time out to join us tonight. You've been a busy boy of late, and it's been hard to get our, our times aligned. But uh, uh, you've just joined a new factory team. Can you tell us a wee bit more about that? Yeah, no, it's it's exciting. Um, yeah, so for 2017, um be riding for uh, Canyon Factory Racing, so their new downhill team, um, alongside Troy and uh, Mark uh, Wallace. Um, got Fabian kind of behind the scenes overseeing everything, and um, yeah, we've we've um, we've been over Europe twice as a team, and and we're all getting along really well, and um, yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. All the bikes looking good, and um, from what I've ridden, it's it's really good as well. So uh, yeah, looking looking forward to the season ahead, mate. That's fantastic. I mean, everybody was a little bit tight lipped in the in the run up to Christmas because they kind of the, there was kind of rumours flying about, but nobody wanted to confirm anything. But uh, obviously. Canyon, the Canyon Factory team, big back in behind you with Canyon, but also you've got Fabian Burrell, double world champion. So how how are you going to find the dynamics going to be within the team then? Yeah, I mean, um, like you say, the the resources we've got behind us, um, you know, Canyon are are determined on making the best bike they can and are really taking into account what we're saying and and what we want from the bike. And then yeah, I mean, Fabian, double double world champion, um, you know. The, the experience he brings to the table and the knowledge and um yeah just the i mean he's he's renowned for being you know very articulate and very um demanding of his equipment so having him on side as well is uh is really good and um yeah the, the short amount of time we've spent together as a team um doing some testing and stuff for the bike we've, we've made some big steps forward and uh yeah i think it's only going to get better as the season goes on that sounds awesome. I mean, obviously you've got Troy Brosnan and Mark Wallace on with you too, two very, very fast guys. I mean, what's, what's your relationship with Troy been before you joined the team? Was Did you guys get on together or was it something you sort of, you didn't really mix much? No, me and Troy have been, um, have been good mates for, for quite a while, actually. I, I, funny enough, we, we met in Wither, I think it was 2009. And I was out riding with a bunch of Australian guys that I knew, like right up through junior and stuff. So like Mitch Delfs and 
Josh Batten and all those guys. And they had this little kid kind of dragging along behind them on a mongoose. And uh, they all kind of sacked off riding about six o'clock and went to the bar. And it was my first time there and one of my first days there as well. So I just wanted to keep riding. So obviously the lifts are open till eight o'clock. And yeah. Um, yeah, they kind of slowly filtered away into the GLC. And then it was me and this little scraggly haired blonde kid. So I was like, you want to go riding? And um, he was like, yeah, right, all right. So I ended up riding with him for a few hours. And even then you could see he was, he was really talented. And I think... Um, his parents, he was over with his parents and they came looking for him because he hadn't came home. And of course, <laughs> at eight o'clock, it's kind of getting dark. So they were stood at the bottom of the hill kind of waiting. And then me and him came down and, uh, you know, I got chatting to them and they were really nice. And kind of from there, I think um, you know, we met a couple other times out on the hill that week. And the next year he was racing World Cups and obviously making a big name for himself in the years to come. And um yeah, I mean, from there we've always been pretty tight and and always got along. So to to be teammates is uh, is really exciting. And um, you know, Mark, uh, it's not someone I knew so well. I mean, obviously, um, he's on the circuit. You you know, you know each other to talk to and stuff. And uh, actually, in the last kind of year, probably got to know him a little better through being at Hardline together with him and stuff. So mm-hmm. um, that's a pretty sociable event. So. Um, yeah, got got to know him a little bit there, and then um, you know when he he was kind of uh, I guess a little bit like me and Troy were kind of pretty much done. Um, I guess a couple of months after the season, and then um, Mark kind of I didn't know Mark was on the team until we went out to Germany. So um, right. you know it, it was uh, it was um, nice surprise. Nah, he's, he's a, nah, it was. Um, well, I didn't know if it was going to be a two man team, but you know. Um, He's a really good dude and uh, you know a bit of a beast. So yeah, um, looking forward to uh, to spending the year with those two guys. And uh, from what the time is spent together, you know we've all got along really well. And you know I'm I'm happy with it all. And you know I think it's a really good dynamic. And uh, we're we're gonna have a good year together. I'm sure. That's awesome. It sounds awesome. Now it's, it's quite funny. We'll, we'll go back and maybe talk some more about that later on. But you're talking about a scraggly young kid at the bottom of a downhill course. I mean, obviously, I've known you quite a while, and uh, you were probably that kid at one stage. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I think I was definitely. I definitely had a few pounds on me when <laughs> I was when I was that stature. You know, he he was just this little kind of looked like a little surfer. Um, but yeah, now uh, um, you've got plenty of uh, photos in your archives that could sink me. So um, oh, that's yeah, sorry, we'll, yeah, we'll leave that. <laughs> no, I, I just I just want to explain to people a bit less. And obviously, you've been a big city, big part of the Scottish scene for a while. But my first memories of you were kind of hanging out at uh, Pro Bike Sport, probably the early two thousands, when you were kind of in there giving cheek to the guys behind the counter. But uh, it was always it was always good banter. But for someone of your age, you you give as good as you got back then. So uh, it definitely was uh, fun times. I can remember. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was. Um, I've always been a bit cheeky, but um, yeah, I think when you're when you're when you're young like that and you're small, like they can't hit you, so I think you can get away with it more. But yeah, yeah, pro, I'm probably a lot more polite now. <laughs> yeah, I think as well. It's like it's, it also shows that you were a co- you were a confident kid back then. You know, you, you didn't you didn't mind mixing with. I mean, God, I was in my early thirties then. You know what I mean? Sound like mm. such an old man, but you know what I mean? It's like. It just shows the generations that, that ride bikes. As long as you ride a bike, you've always got that common thread, and it's always it's always good crack. But yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I think back then, um, I mean, I was kind of the minority. You know, there wasn't many young kids riding bikes. Like I, I grew up 
kind of always riding with older guys you know like even i mean even the guys that were kind of young like dave young and gary forrest you know, they were kind of like 15 16 when i was 12 13 you know so mm-hmm. it was kind of you just had to mix in with the crowd that was there and yeah i think um I certainly found my place pretty quickly. <laughs> so, I mean, you're you're from you grew up in Stowe down the road from Innerleithen, which is further down the valley. But it, with respect, did you did you, did you just get dropped off at Innerleithen and said, right, come back for your tea, or is that is that the way it used to work? Was it or were your folks uh, working nearby? Um, it was kind of. Uh, I guess it 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 depended on what my parents were doing. Like um, to begin with, I think the first time I was at Innerleithen, like on the on the uplift, so it was. It was uh, Pro Gravity, I believe it was called back yeah, then. Yeah, was, um, Neil's company, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Neil Stoddart. And um, yeah, I think my mum just kind of turfed me out with a bag. And <laughs> um, I think a lot, I think quite a lot of the older guys in the uplift maybe felt a sense of responsibility because I was like really little <laughs> riding a bike that was far too big for me. And um, yeah, certainly wasn't uh, certainly wasn't holding back. So I think they maybe kind of, um, yeah, felt that they had to kind of look after me a bit. But as I got to know people and and uh, make friends and, you know, I think my parents could drop me off and, you know, they knew I'd be all right. And then uh, towards, as I started to get into racing a little bit more, um, uh, my dad used to do the odd day driving the uplifts uh, for Neil and then would have like a tab at the shop. So um, rather than getting paid for it, he would just say, you know, um, put the money behind because the, the two were linked then. He would just put the money behind the counter and, you know, I'd be getting tires or whatever. So, um, so it always works out. Yeah, it always works out so, for the better, doesn't it? Yeah, so very, very thankful for that. I owe uh, old Ray quite a lot, but um, yeah, <laughs> he, uh, he was, he was, uh, he was a big help back in the day. And my mum as well, because she used to, because um, my dad played in a band, and he was quite often busy at the weekends. So it was my mum that that took me to all the races as a as a juvenile youth, and then obviously when you're a junior, you kind of start going with with mates and whatever but um yeah. yeah that's all that's all good now you go back to when you said juvenile and I mean obviously the SDA was starting the juvenile series back then I mean, you were part of that weren't you initially yeah I think I don't think I think the first year was 2001 I don't mm-hmm. I didn't race that year so I, I kind of knew of it um mm-hmm. through Dave Young um because he was he was youth at the time and then uh yeah the year after that so 2002 I did uh, my first few races which was a I think back then we, we always rode like a half course or like a separate yeah. course, which was probably a good thing because I think, you know, there wasn't a huge amount of kind of young, I'd say under 14 riders back then. It was quite, um, it was quite new to a lot of us. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was kind of start, start of that originally with, you know, Castro and Hutchins and... Um, a certain Danny Hart, I think, was kicking about then as well, wasn't he? Yeah, I think I think Danny Hart's dad lied his, about his age so he could <laughs> race and... Uh, because he was too young, and um, <laughs> yeah, nah, yeah, um, but uh, no, nah, it was it was a good scene, and um, you know, the years after that, you know, you had guys like Josh and Sam Dale, and um, you know, coming up and doing races. So yeah, it's cool to see kind of how many of us are still involved in the sport now, and uh, yeah, quite scary thinking that was fought like nearly fifteen years ago. So yeah i mean the, yeah. Thing, the thing is to me it's, it's it feels like yesterday but then again that's me just going on about my age but when you when you look at as you say when you mention the names and you, you look now at the world cup roster a lot of those guys came from that era you know the, the and the guys that are coming up now no doubt will uh will follow in the footsteps but you're going back to as you say with the likes of danny hart and stuff like that and when when you all started started racing world cups 
was that the case of that you kind of all kind of sort of knew how each other rode or did you ride together or when you got you guys were sort of on the junior scene was it all kind of hanging out together with the teams and stuff or was it all quite sticking to your own lines and watching what everybody else was doing um it's hard to say actually i think like we all kind of rode together the, the first few years we all certainly rode together like on in the sda scene but then when we got to world cups you know i did a year racing like um when i, I would have been 17 so Cathro was a year older than me and then me and hutchins were the same age and then mm-hmm. josh and that lot were a year younger and then danny was two years younger so it was kind of staggered how each of us went into the world cup right. so um yeah i mean certainly like me and josh used to kind of ride a lot together mm-hmm. um as well as being quite competitive on the track we were um we were good mates off it and, yeah. and we'd ride quite together quite a lot together and um but yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think I've always been quite. I've always kind of just worried about myself in practice, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I think as as you go into World Cups and you join teams, it's kind of yeah, you, uh, you, you you tend to stick to to ride with teammates or, or you know, as they're in the pits when you're close by. But um, yeah, fair enough. I think um, yeah, as soon as I mean, it's all kind of fun and games when you're. You know, kids riding SDA, but then when you're suddenly, you know, fast forward a few years and you've all got contracts and salaries and you're trying to beat <laughs> each other, it probably yeah, changes bet, the dynamic a little bit. Yeah, I bet, I bet it does. Now you you go on. You obviously were were sort of jumping back and forth a wee bit there, but obviously, big big standout moment for you was uh, ten years ago, two thousand and seven. Uh, obviously, world cha- uh, world champs, Fort William big big day for you i mean i don't i don't think i've ever spoke to you about how you felt that day or how you went into that race but i mean obviously there wasn't a dry eye in the house that day but you you were just seemed to be so calm so anytime i saw you in the pits and stuff but was that what was happening inside was it was it still nerves and and stuff or were you, were you just going into it thinking right i'll do my best and see how it goes um no i mean i was riding the crest of a wave i guess at that point you know yeah. i was uh i'd gone from the year before that kind of struggling to qualify for world cups to you know i think kind of being in and around the top 15 at the first few rounds that year as a as a junior and in, in the elites which is rarely kind of seen these days um i was on a bike i loved you know i was leading the junior world cup but i'd won a couple of the rounds um and yeah I think I was pretty confident I felt like uh, you know when when I got to that point you know everything I'd kind of done up until then had, had been for that and then um, qualified fastest and uh, I mean the, the the race was was didn't really go to plan as far as the run but uh, you know I, I I felt like you know realistically I felt like Josh was the only guy that, that could have beaten me that day and I think um, you know, he unfortunately got a flat, but, um, you know, when I crossed the line, you know, I was last man down and, uh, you know, looked around and saw my name at the top of the board and, you know, at that <laughs> point you, yeah, you, you kind of, you don't really care. So yeah, it was, true. um, no, it was, um, it was pretty huge. I mean, looking back, it was, it was kind of hard to take all in. Like it, it, you obviously see a lot of footage after of like, yourself crossing the line from from someone else's point of view but certainly from where i was it was a bit surreal and um yeah it was it was hard to all take in at once you know i mean as a junior so 
as as a junior that year, you know, I was riding a bike that, you know, my my parents had bought for me, and I was riding for a bike shop. And through the years, you know, a few brands kind of started to help me out with parts and stuff. But yeah. you know, I was never I was never one of these kids like you see now, kids that like you know, sixteen years old, and they're being thrown on the factory teams, and mm-hmm. you know, having big sponsorship. And you know, I think I, I was quite had kind of kind of humble upbringings like you know I was I was riding a bike that my my parents had bought and was essentially a privateer so um you know when you're happy just getting like a free chain device yeah, <laughs> and true. then you win a world championship it's it's quite um it's quite a big step so yeah um you're like the Dean Wilson of downhill is that what you're trying to say <laughs> yeah no well I did it 10 years ago maybe yeah. I don't know what he's playing up but <laughs> but um yeah no it was it was really cool and um you know looking back it's it's uh i'm actually looking at the jersey just now on the wall and you know it's uh it's um you know something i'm proud of and certainly something that's kind of kick-started the the 10 years that have followed so um in fact i I probably see your actual world championship bike more often than you do these days because i'm up at carl's quite a bit so it's 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 yeah uh, sitting there nicely covered up and well looked after you know yeah, so, I'll need to collect it at some point. I think, <laughs> but um, yeah, <laughs> but, but that, that's ten years yeah. ago. That's ten years ago, and it just it's amazing how much the time flies. It's I think it's about time Leslie and Mike maybe thought about getting another world champ so we can get a senior title under your belt, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, who knows? Who knows? So obviously, the years after that, there's there was there was a few contracts, bike teams, and stuff. But you also seem to get be quite injury prone. And uh, can you can you explain how you handle that? And, um what, what you yeah i mean I, following kind of junior worlds i was obviously i was riding really well and um about two months after the season i had a, a long story short I, I tore my ucl and it was misdiagnosed by the first kind of group of people that that, that saw it and so i can kind of took a couple months off and then started to get back into things and then had the same kind of uh issue again so my knee kind of dislocated and then I think that time it kind of fully finished it off mm-hmm. um so about February of 2008 I finally got the diagnosis that you know you've got a torn ACL um a torn meniscus your MCL's torn so my knee was a bit of a mess and um I'd obviously signed with uh with chain reaction at that point mm-hmm. and um yeah it was kind of uh, all systems go to try and uh get the knee um in a position where I could actually ride. Um, so I had a brace all year and, you know, even then it was, it was kind of so weak, it kept flipping it out. And in, in hindsight, like, I mean, that was kind of the first injury I'd really dealt with. So, um, I definitely didn't handle it the way I would now. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as, you know, looking hindsight, I should have just, you know, missed the season and got it done. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think with a contract and, you know, I, I respond, I kind of, and you kind of found responsibility of, of riding for a living. You know, I felt I had to, to race that season and, you know, I was underprepared and I struggled and, um, you know, the, the year that followed that I, I had the surgery. Um, but because of the complications from the, the previous year and kind of damaging it throughout the year, it was, it was a lot bigger than, than it would have been originally. Um, so I had like a whole off season, 2008, 2009, uh, off the bike. And then 2009, yeah, another another tough year for me. Like I was, I was, I was fit by that point, but um, 
I really wasn't riding to the level I should have and um, I think that they were two years where the game really stepped up and I, I felt like I got left behind a little bit and um, you know 2010 was a, a step in the right direction um, you know getting in the top 10 uh, at Champery and mm-hmm. you know going to Worlds and, and getting a I think it was 17th or 18th at Worlds that year and um, that was certainly a step in the right direction and then moving on to Maxis um, in 2011 again like a big step up um, had a pretty solid World Cup season um, won national champs that year and then that team folded and then I went privateer for 2012 um, oh. with Alpine bikes and stuff and then uh, that was that was I mean that was obviously you know I think it was me and Greg Williamson and Fraser McGlone you know, out, out kind of trekking across America doing those rounds out of a <laughs> out of a Dodge people carrier, which was uh, which was good fun. But you know, it was uh, it was kind of a means to an end. And then following that junior, um, the junior deal came around, and it was with them for four years and kind of built each year. Yeah. Um, and then you know, felt like the last two years have been pretty solid. And then obviously uh, moving on to Canyon, but yeah, I think the the injury counts kind of something that. It's difficult. I mean, I feel like I've a lot of times I've kind of taken two steps forward and one step back. You know, it's um, I think I'm two surgeries on each shoulder now, so four shoulder surgeries, two knee surgeries. Um, I had a weird hand infection in there in 2012, and it's been tough. I mean, it's uh, it's one of these things that's, you know, the some riders get a good break and build a lot of momentum and um, have, you know, three, four years, like no injuries. And then if you do kind of get an injury it's and you're spending half the off season um, getting it sorted out, it certainly makes it a lot harder to um, to return where you left off. So Yeah, I mean, um, I, mean I mean, I know exactly where you're coming from. I mean, it, it sounds like, you know, you were keen as mustard to get riding, but obviously a few things sort of set you back. But I think you've probably come out of it stronger at the other side because you're a lot more experienced now and you understand that you know you do sometimes need to rest. But it 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 hasn't slowed you down any. That's 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 the thing I've definitely noticed from, from watching you is that when when you're at full strength, you are you know you're the, you you're, you're one of the the best guys at riding out there at the World Cup at the minute. And it's uh, I'm hoping it's not going to be too long before we see you breaking onto the podium big time. You know. So yeah, no, that's the plan. I yeah. mean, um, like last year, getting getting the the ninth at Lenzerheide was like a big. Mm-hmm. I mean, per- personally for me, it was it was kind of a big reassurance that you know I I'm still kind of I'm still in this. You know, I think I was yeah. only about a second off the podium, and um, I had some had some good splits. So I think that was reassuring for me personally to know that the pace is there, and you know I'm. Uh, I've still got the ability to land on a podium because, um, you know, you see a few younger guys coming up and, and grabbing podiums and stuff. And it's, uh, you know, it, it's tough to see that, but, you know, I mean, it's good. It's cool for them, but you know, when you've been trying for so long to kind of reach there, um, you know, mentally you've got to be pretty strong to kind of think, believe that you can be there. And, you know, there's, there's quite a few guys, I think in the same situation that have just, you know, they've cracked the top 10, but never quite cracked the top five. And, mm. um, you know, I'm, I'm, pretty confident in my own abilities that you know with the right run you know i can do it and um yeah i think uh this year ahead with canyon and and the support we've got and being able to 
to spend the whole off season kind of focusing on myself and and not having to kind of work on the side's been been massive for me and uh yeah, I think this is going to be my best uh, opportunity so far. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's fantastic coming from you. But it, it, when you when you go back into like saying about the support and stuff you get from the team, it, I mean, you've been helping out with the likes of Dirt School and stuff back home with the, the base guys. Can you go into a wee bit more about what how how that came around? I mean, obviously, I know you you you're you're sort of you yourself and Chris Ball go back a long way, but uh, can you tell us wh- why you th- you found the coaching good fun, or was it just something you had to do? Um, so yeah, like me and Chris obviously go back um, what ten years. Mm. Um, he 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 kind of, I guess he he saw potential in me. Um, my transition year from kind of first year junior to second year junior, and him and uh, Garrett Florida James from Napier University, who was Chris's tutor at the time, uh, took me on board and got me got me pedaling up hills and training and and <laughs> kind of I guess that was the year I kind of became fit and and. Uh, you know the, the transition, but from the first year to so 2006 to 2007 was massive, and um, you know Chris is uh, Chris was very involved with Scottish cycling and their downhill program, um, following that, and has has since transitioned into um, you know the EWS yeah. and uh, has has very been very successful there. But um, he started dirt school, I think it was 10 years ago. It was all around the same time. Mm-hmm. And then um, I actually, when I left high school, um, so the year of 2007, I ended up going to college and doing a uh, like a three day a week HNC sport and sport kind of science course. So mm-hmm. um, as a, I mean, I had the I had the exam results to get into university, but rather than go to university, I wanted to concentrate on racing for that year, and then um, that just kind of further enhanced my um chance of getting in so uh i did that and um the base course with dirt school basically came about because i went to college uh borders college and did this course but you know all the all the sports were you know based around rugby or football it was very generalized and then chris and the borders called a guy called kenny johnston from borders college kind of put together this base mountain biking um so it was this effectively the same course i did but um they had time to train and they had a couple of days a week coaching and a lot of their their classwork and and the stuff they did um i guess the you know the coursework was they could base it around their sports so um i think it was 2009 or 10 uh base mountain biking um came to be and then year on year that's that's became more popular so uh, the first year i think we had um, well, so the first year it was it was five guys. So it was Chris just taking it himself. We had Lewis Buchanan, Greg Williamson, Sam Flocker, Aaron Garricott, and a guy called Joe Edge. So some really kind of you know what I mean yeah, some of the top some of the top Scottish guys now um, came through the first year, and then uh, it it really snowballed after that. And year on year, it's it's been um, it's been growing in numbers. And uh, for the last couple of years, we've had you know twenty. 20 students um on it so around 2011 uh well i just when i kind of went from maxis to a privateer um chris um and andy barlow offered me some work in the off-season coaching and then uh yeah for the last kind of five years i've been uh been helping out um, a couple of days a week uh, with those guys just kind of uh doing some coaching with them and yeah, it's been fun, man. It, it certainly it, it gives you a different perspective on 
on your own writing as well because I think up until I started coaching I'd always just kind of do what felt do do what felt natural but yeah when you start to break it down and you, you know you have to teach someone how to do something you really have to assess your own performance first so it certainly kind of I think helped me kind of understand my own strengths and weaknesses and you know I feel I've improved as a writer almost being like my own coach um over the last few years and and being quite methodical about how I approach things so you know I've, I've really enjoyed it and um you know it's allowed me to to continue to race you know through my junior contract you know keep the bankroll ticking over in the winter and um and and race in the summer so it's been um you know it's it's been very beneficial but at the same time I'm quite I feel like I'm quite ready to to take a step into just you know 100% focusing on racing and um you know yeah make 2017 count yeah, that, I mean that that's that sounds awesome. I, I like I like the fact that you said that it actually made you look at your own riding because it's something which Chris said to me. I think when he started off third school, he said, "Oh, come come along for a downhill lesson." And I was like, "But I've been racing downhill for years. What am I going to learn?" And I wish I'd have went because I think I'm going to learn a thing or two. <laughs> but uh, you know, that's that, that's me, by the way. That, uh, that's no reflection on you on you guys. But the base the base. Uh, course seems to be as you say it's going from strength to strength and every time i look at what rab wardell's instagram account they're always out on the hill so he seems to be uh they seem to be getting plenty of riding in and it always seems to be nice techie stuff that they're all trying to get around faster and it's it's as you say it's right back to the basics how to, how to turn left how to turn right and these some of the guys coming out are, are some of the fastest guys as you say in scotland yeah absolutely i think it's it's setting the bar um pretty high as far as mountain bike coaching goes i mean there's uh you know, there's some really talented young riders come through it over the years. And, you know, if you look at any other sport, like, I mean, um, something like rugby, it's like they're not just telling them to go on the pitch and, you know what I mean, just run around and tackle each other. Like there's a lot more, um, a lot more to it that, you know, that's everything's a methodical process and detailed and, you know, every kind of skill or move or whatever is broken down into a lot of complex parts. And, you know, with mountain biking, there's not many um there's not many places do that and i think with base you know we've we've learned as coaches as well because the standard of riders is so high um you know you're not just telling them how to you know how to stand on the bike or you know break here and let off there you know you really have to to go into the finer details of um finding those extra few tenths and stuff because you know that's that's the level the riders are at so um yeah it's it's uh it's certainly a, a kind of industry leading um, course, and I, I, I guess it's pretty unique. It's it's only it's only course of its kind mm-hmm. in the world, really. So, I mean, this year we've got a kid from Nepal who's came to be on base. Wow! So, um, and uh, you know, a lot of guys from down south and stuff, and uh, you know, I think that just proves how um, how well respected it is, and, and and you know, if it's it's getting people from you know the other side of the world. It's uh, it's doing something right. I think I think actually uh, Luke Bruni came over and joined the base guys for a one winter ride. A couple it was a couple of years ago now. I think was- yeah, yeah, it was a couple of years ago. He, so he um, he's a, he, he had a he was going out with a French girl who was there's a fashion university. So this is another thing about the, the base down of course. There's a fashion university that shares the same building, which I believe it's ninety percent of the attendees are 
um, girls. So <laughs> he was um, he was basically uh, he was basically going out with a French girl who was at the fashion university and somehow got roped into coming out with us and yeah i mean like likes uh he's a really down-to-earth guy and yeah um yeah he just kind of hung out and uh complained about the cold and yeah it was uh but yeah for for all the young lads in the court i mean he'd, he'd been world champion like two months previous yeah. so for all the young lads on the course it was you know it was incredible for them to kind of go riding with the world champions. So yeah, um, it also sh- shows the pull, the pull of the Tweed Valley in a way as well, you know. So uh, it's uh, it's definitely getting uh, plenty of uh, notice out- outside of uh, the UK. That's the main thing, you know. No, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So so come and bang uh, right up to date. Obviously, new team, new new goals for two thousand and seventeen. What about what about training? Have have you changed anything in that department? Are you training with somebody or? Is that something you'd want to share? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, for, for this year, like, I guess financially, the support I have for this year has allowed me to to pay someone full-time to, to look after my stuff. So I train with um, I train with a guy called James McCallum, who some, some people might find his name familiar. He's a former uh, professional road and track cyclist. I think he, he got a bronze in the Commonwealth Games for Scotland. Um, in Melbourne I think but um, he's got a little studio in Edinburgh um, called uh, What's Your Meta and it's just a little private gym and you know he's a really uh, he's a really cool guy and um, we've got a similar sense of humour and you know I go up there three times a week and you know everything's there that I need he's got a physio kind of in house and um, yeah so so having him on board has been really good and you know we're, we're working together really well and uh, I would I would say having a lot of fun, but you know when I'm when I'm there, it's it's not usually fun. So um, or it's fun afterwards. But uh, no, he's he's been uh, he's been really good this winter, and um, I think uh, yeah, I'm I'm very happy with how it's gone. And you know, I think you know you certainly work harder if someone stood over you shouting at you. So mm. um, yeah, I've changed up a little bit, and. Um, yeah, so so far so good. It's it's been um, been really positive, and uh, yeah, I was up there this morning, and I'm I'm hurting a bit now. So <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, it it almost feels a bit bit like uh, Supercross. It's almost like Battle of the Trainers because obviously we had Johnny Thompson and Ad Britton on a few weeks ago, and uh, they were talking about how they're how they're doing things for this season and things like that. Do you think it's going to get to the stage where the likes of the Alan Millways and Johnny Thompsons, your trainer, and that might start now suddenly have a wee group of guys who are doing really well at world cups or do you think it's the sports got such a such a skill to it that you know it, it, it's a lot to do with talent more than the actual the fitness that side of things i think brayton's training for uh american ninja warrior some of the <laughs> stuff he's doing but nah, <laughs> nah he, he's a strong lad but um i think it's i can't see I can't see it getting to the motocross stage where, you know, they have this this boot camp thing. And I mean, the, the thing about you, th- you see the thing in America, like with you know supercross style stuff, is you got to remember they're all in America. All yeah. the practice tracks are in California. All the, you know, um, it's either California or Florida it yeah. seems. And I think so straight away you've got like a select group of riders in one place, and then I think that then allows that. You know, there's there's a trainer available for say half a dozen guys, but mm. I think with downhill because it's so broad, you know, you've got half a dozen British guys, you know, 
three, four Americans, you know, three, four Australians, three, four New Zealand, French. You know, there's, there's, it is really worldwide. And um, there's certainly not more than, say, groups of two or three. So, I mean, already you've got, like, little cliques, like you say. I mean, um, you've got guys like Milway, uh, Todd Shumaluk from Perform X, mm-hmm. um, Kill Murray. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you have... I guess a few kind of established trainers within the sport already, but um, but then at the same time, it's you know that if you if you train with one of those guys, it's it's kind of a lot of the feedback and a lot of the you know someone will email you a, a training program, yeah, and you follow it, and then you'll talk to them on the phone, and I've done that, and I think the big thing with the big thing with training with James this year, and I guess it's the same with, with Adam, um, with Brayton, with, with, with him training with a guy down in Keswick is, you know, I go and see him, you know, three days a week and, you know, he gets to see me face to face. He gets to see how I'm doing. Like that whole performance is, you know, I think it's good to have someone kind of monitoring your progress out with the whole numbers on a screen thing. You know, it's actually, there's that personal connection and, um, I think it's it's a better understanding of one another. You know, if I if I go up to, I mean, there's a couple of times I've been um, up to Edinburgh to see James, and you know, he's 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 been a professional athlete. You know, he's ten years older than me, so he's a lot more experienced. And I guess you know, being a professional road cyclist and track cyclist, he he knows when you're when you're not all there. And there's a couple of times I've been in feeling a little bit under the weather, which you know, had it been, you know, a a4 spreadsheet of go and do this i probably yeah. would have done it and he's looked at me and been like yeah and i will take it easy today you're not you're not there kind of thing so um i think that's that's very beneficial and um something that yeah i, I value quite a lot yeah that, that's, that sounds like awesome. it's, it's also the personal touches the face-to-face as you say but so being an ex-roadie is he is he got you on the road bike or has he he's got you doing specific things or is there anything that you've changed this year that 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 that's, um, you've learnt from it and it's made a big difference. Um, he's quite like for a road like I I know like downhill I think's very much quite a strength game mm-hmm. to a certain extent. You know, upper body needs to be strong and the the speeds and the g forces and how rough tracks are getting. You you really need to be strong and um, I he's uh, I guess he's a little bit. He's quite unique for a road cyclist. I'll say that much. As in, he's got a really, really good sense of humour. And Rab Wardell told me a few weeks ago that James was actually banned from going to the gym when he was a road cyclist because <laughs> he was getting too big. So we get on pretty well. But um, no, he, he's got a, you know, as a pro. I mean, I have done a bit of road riding over the winter so far, but you know, it's not been kind of you know go out and do you know four hour base ride. It's been quite you know, go out for an hour and, and, you know, more high intensity and kind of big gear stuff. And, uh, you know, he's, he's very into gym work and, um, yeah, I think he's like, it's, although he comes from a road cycling background, you know, it's, um, he kind of understands that the demands on my body are very, very different to that of a, of a cyclist, um, on the road. So, um, you know, he's got a lot of experience and, you know, so far I'm really, really happy with the progress we've made and um yeah i'm uh i'm confident we're doing the right thing 
That's awesome. So when you come back to obviously the team stuff again, have you got any team camps planned for the next few weeks or is, that, is it something you're left to your own devices until the next race? And, and when is it? When is your next race? Um, so we, yeah, I just got back from a team camp in France. Yeah. Uh, when was that? A, couple, a week or two ago. So I yeah. went out um, end of January and got back uh, a few days ago. And uh, that was... Uh, a kind of mix of a bit of testing, a bit of training, and then also some uh, some media stuff uh, for Canyon as as a team launch, etc. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we've, we've, I, I guess we're we're still trying things with the bike, and like I said earlier, Canyon are pretty. Um, Canyon have got a lot of resources, and you know, with Fabian and stuff, and with Troy, you know, the experience and um, knowledge that they bring, you know, they know what they want out of a bike, and. Uh, you know, we're making changes and um, trying new things. So uh, I think we'll have another one before the, the race season starts or the World Cup season starts in Lourdes. Um, but the plan for me at the moment, I think I'm going to go out to Australia um, in the beginning of this, uh, beginning of the next month or end of this month um, and spend a bit of time training with Troy. Ahead uh, yeah. of ahead uh, of Crankworx Rotorua, which will be the first race officially for the team. Okay, cool. And then, and then come back to France, come back home for maybe a week or two, and then head out to France for a couple of weeks before the World Cup in Lourdes. So, um, you know, to a certain extent, you know, we are left our own devices um, out with out with the races, but at the same time, you know, the the guys are only a a phone call or an email away, and mm-hmm. you know, they're there to help. So, you know, if I wanted to, you know ask Fabian about something on the bike or or one of the guys at Canyon you know I could probably drop them a message right now and have a reply within minutes so I think that having that um knowledge I guess at your fingertips is um is huge fantastic so so go on to the bike now the sender obviously is a new chassis for uh, I think it's 2016 it came out it the middle of last year wasn't it yeah uh, I think it's about a year old oh, I think. yeah yeah so, uh, have you guys been involved in getting any geometry tweaked or any settings done, or have, is it basically a stock frame you're starting with? Yeah, I mean the frame, the frames, a hundred percent stock at the moment. I mean, there was obviously a certain amount of geometry tweaks you can make. Mm. Um, that the cat has an adjustable chain stay, so um, you can you can shorten it, shorten or lengthen the rear end from there, and then the frames come out of stock with uh like a zero degree cup which so the stock head angle is 63 and then they have like a minus one to make it 62 or a plus one to make it um 64 so um yeah I, I, straight out of the box the bikes the bike's been pretty impressive to be honest um i've not spent a huge amount of time on it but um it's uh yeah i mean the the stock frame you know it, it's for I mean I'm on a I'm on a medium and um you know it, my last bike was a was a large and the medium is bigger you know wheel mm. base top tube everything so you know they, they've certainly hit the numbers correctly when they're talking about modern sizing and geometry and um I think the only tweak we've done is is we've had a slightly different link on the back to make it a little bit more progressive but um. Yeah, so far it's it's. I mean, the frames 100% stock. I've got the zero degree cups in, so it's it's straight through at 63. And um, yeah, I think all of us have been really impressed with with the bike straight off the bat, which is uh, which is really reassuring. 
that, I mean, that, that's awesome. I think I think the, the the guys, the manufacturers, are now starting to figure out that this is the, the geometry. You know, the correct head angle, the bottom bracket position, the front center, etc. That even though people have been crap crawling out for longer bikes for years. And, you know, I'm sorry, eating crisps there, are you? <laughs> no, no, it's just there. Uh... <laughs> sounded like you were eating a packet of crisps. Yeah, but, uh, don't, yeah don't tell anyone. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I think I think the manufacturers have, have actually sat back and uh, looked at the geometry, and a lot of the figures are now coming around. Everybody's found that happy medium, I think, and it's only going to be pro- slightly progressive, I think, from now on. But going back to the shocks and uh, drive chain, you're running rock shocks and SRAM this year again. That you're quite familiar with that setup, aren't you? Yeah. Um, so the whole team's. Um, yeah, SRAM RockShock, which is, uh, I think it's been my fifth year on them. So Yeah, so you, uh, you must know how to set the forks up to the way you like them and things like that, or is that, is that something you leave to the experts, and or do you know exactly what you need? Um, I think it, I think it changes a little bit. I mean, obviously, the, the Canyon, the suspension design and the curve works a little bit different to the Trek, so mm. um, there is a certain, you do need to have a certain balance of, I believe between the front and the rear. So, um, yeah, we've got, um, we've got Nigel Reeve, uh, who was the former Da Vinci mechanic. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a bit of a suspension guru. So, um, we've got him aboard this year, um, doing our suspension for the team. And, uh, I guess what, what he's developed over however many years of, of world cup racing, um, with his own knowledge is uh, is pretty amazing. So he's got like completely custom, you know, shim sex, et cetera, for the forks and the shock. And so, um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the rock shock products is, it, it's amazing straight off the bat, but, you know, he's got the ability to fine tune it and, and really make those, those noticeable little changes that, um, that are going to take tense off the clock. So it's, uh, it's exciting to be working with him. And, um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've having ridden, the bike stock and then the bike with his suspension it's um it's pretty incredible what he what he can do yeah so do you are you going sort of i believe that sort of the trend is now to go to more harder suspension is that is that kind of the way everybody's going on the world cup circuit or is it still the the odd person that's maybe running a bit of a softer setup um i think you do need it somewhat hard just to cope with the hits i mean mm. the the size i mean with the amount of um of abuse bikes and riders take now it's if your bike's deep in the travel and bottoming out the, the geometry is kind of compromised and you know i think the the trend is certainly you know gwyn i would say was the guy to really start it with the forks that don't move and stay on top of everything mm-hmm. kind of set up but you know i i believe there's there's a compromise there's a compromise with having it too stiff like I me mean, you've got to be strong to hold on to it but then obviously if it's too soft that you know it's working overtime and it can almost be worse so there's certainly a happy medium and I think with the suspension we've been playing around with, certainly it's it's having that supple kind of first third really for grip and, and so the bike's glued to the ground but then having that support when it ramps up and um I think uh certainly one thing I've noticed is is how much uh spring forks help that so we're uh we're running coil forks at the moment and um you know we have the balance of being able to run a you know a, a progressive spring that's supple at the top and then ramps up so you have a fork that tracks the ground really well um but then is almost 
impossible to bottom out at the same time, which is uh, pretty unique. That's awesome. So are you getting involved with any testing before race season with, with the, so the RockShot guys? Or are you going to be doing everything in-house? Uh, I'm not sure to be honest. I okay. did see we got we got our team we got our team uh, kind of calendar through of where we were, but um, there definitely was a, a SRAM Rock Shock test day uh, yep. in the coming months. But I'd uh, I'd have to double check when that is. <laughs> so south of France, somewhere by any chance is it? <laughs> oh yeah, no, it'll be. Um, I'm sure it'll be a regular haunt. I'm sure the SRAM SRAM guys will get big bored going to the same places. Every winter to hear the same people complaining about that it's rough, but yeah, oh well. <laughs> I, th- I, think they, I think they basically just just pitch up in one place and everybody comes down and has their three days of testing, and that's the way it works, isn't it? But yeah, uh, yeah, that, that's all good. Obviously, obviously, you're on Mavic Wheels as well. D Max is, I, I believe, they've they've got a little bit wider this year. But obviously, a long time sponsor of Fabian as well. So, and the, you're running Maxis tires. Is, is were you on Maxis the last few years, or were you on something different? I was on no, I was on uh, Schwalbe the last few years, so, um, so so you're going back to your old favourite, the old minion, is that right? <laughs> yeah, no, um, it's been it's been funny. Uh, yeah, be, I guess you know tires is something that's it's quite a big switch, I think, because it's I mean it's one of the few. I mean it's the only contact point between your bike and the ground, so yeah, it's pretty massive, you know, and um, you know the the Maxis have certainly got a few kind of newer tires out with the. With the shorty and the new, the minion, it's probably not even new, but it's new to me. But yeah. the DHR two or whatever. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've been trying them out a bit, and yeah, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm really happy with them so far. I think the wider rim certainly kind of space, you know, allows the tire to be a little bit broader and and uh, gives it more of an edge. And you know, so far so good. And uh, you know, Mavic are are working really closely with the team um on wheels and just kind of finding the right rim width and stiffness and uh yeah um as far as i mean the whole setup to be honest is is pretty uh pretty dialed in my eyes you know there's not not much i would change and um yeah it's uh i guess at the moment it's just you know we're all kind of going away riding giving our feedback and just fine-tuning it so come lords will be uh We'll be ready to go. Yeah. So when you say about riding, are you, are you riding locally, or you you sort of got some sneaky trails you can, you can't share with us? Um, it's it's quite difficult to be honest. It's quite difficult to ride downhill locally through the winter. Um, the obviously the trails at Norlithan are uh, you know there's uplift at the weekends, but you know I've got a couple of I've got a couple of little local venues, shall we say that. The tracks are only maybe kind of a minute and a half, two minutes long, but they're certainly um, faster and and more open than the tracks in Erlitha. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, having spent how many many years ducking around trees, you know, (laughs) you don't really duck around many trees at months and hands. So uh, I think it's, you know, I'll certainly be spending a lot more time um, in the south of France during the summer this year, just riding kind of longer, rough trails because... you know the, the Tweed Valley is brilliant to train for if you're an enduro rider, but I think with the way downhills going, with tracks becoming straighter and faster, and um, I think, I mean, you know, if you were to have a World Cup standard track at Innerleithen now, it would be about a minute and a half long. So yeah, um, yeah, I think I think that's that's something I I, I definitely sat down and, and thought about, and you know, I think 
I guess predominantly basing myself out the south of France for the summer is going to be more beneficial than ducking around trees in the Tweed Valley. I can, th- I can think where I'd rather be in or Leithen or the south of France. Let me think. The south of France is going to win every yeah. time for me. <laughs> but <laughs> you're obviously going on about sort of the, the World Cup tracks and obviously everybody knows they're wide open and fast these days. I mean, there's been a, there's been a few, I think I've, I've, I've hinted at this in a few other interviews I've done on podcasts, is that people are... are or again, the stage where some of the tracks are getting sick of riding every year. And it's obviously brought to the fore things like Hardline. Now, obviously, Dan Atherton went out and scraped a hill out, out you know, north of Chorus there in the, uh, near the old Mac Loop. But, uh, you know, you, you, you went into Hardline first year. You won it outright. This year, you had a really tight run with uh, Bernard Kerr for second place. But it, it, when you look at that track, is, is that the sort of thing you'd like to see at World Cup level, or is it is that something you think as a one-off event is is perfect? I think it's it's certainly what we need to be moving towards, and I think it, you, you spoke before about going to the same venues every year and mm. and riding the same tracks, and I think in an ideal world, you know, the be the be I've, I've talked about this with with other people, but. In my head, in the ideal world, to be someone, uh, em- say, employed by the UCR, employed by the World Cup, that would go to venues months in advance and then make the changes for the course to like of the course to next year that they kind of require. I think, you know, if you look at other sports like, um, say, motocross and stuff, it's like there's a lot of um, continued change and development and and input from from the riders and from the industry. And I think in downhill, it's kind of, we just rock up to the race and it's how they've taped it. And then David Vasquez is there and he'll do some minor changes to like what he can to make it better. But mm-hmm. um, I certainly think there's, there's a kind of room there for someone to be employed, to go to venues like months beforehand. And then you know, almost like a build team, like kind of like the dirt works crew with the super and stuff to yeah, make true, the necessary yeah. changes. Because I mean, they're all. I mean, all the all the venues. They're they're good hills, you know, like Monsanto, Lenzerheide, you know, Leo Gang. You know, I mean, the I guess it's the the venues are kind of left to decide the changes, and I think it can quite often be. You know, what I mean, if, if they're yeah. if they're backgrounds in skiing, it can quite often be. I mean, last year at Leo Gang, we had this like flat rock garden, which was kind of like just big kind of breeze block rocks on a flat piece of gravel and it was just you're just you know i mean you, you yeah. look at it and track walk and you're just shaking your head but <laughs> um at the same time you know it's it's the same for everybody but uh, yeah I'd, I'd certainly like i get excited about riding things like red bull hardline yeah um you know like what dan and the, and the crew there have done is huge and yeah I think you know I, the, the i think the the whole guinea pig and thing the first year was quite tough you know mm-hmm. just um I guess it being such a step up from anything we'd done before, and you know, I, I certainly noticed that this year I was much more confident going into it, and then seeing the other guys who were there for the first time um, getting a bit stressed. That was that was quite, you know, I, I kind of could, I could console with them of, really, don't worry, mate. You know, I felt like that last year as well. But <laughs> I think um, that's maybe a bit extreme of a step uh, for it to make initially, but I think in time. Certainly, the, the size of jumps and stuff. You know, there's there's never been a jump on a World Cup track in the last three or four years. I'd say that I kind of stood on a lip of and went, "Oh man, that's that's pretty scary." You know, I think that the the way 
bike technology and and the level of riding has come on in previous previous years you know i think they could they could really step up but i mean that's that's kind of part of the issue is you know these these venues are bidding and you know it's kind of up to them to really try and um make the changes rather than than the uci and it, it's uh yeah i mean fort william i think are i've got some good changes pl- uh, planned over the next few years uh i was up there last week mm-hmm. um with mike and and leslie and um you know they're really getting stuck in and want to make want to make improvements and, and make the, the kind of existing course better and actually um long term change a lot of it so um it's cool to see them um listening to the riders and, and taking it into their hands yeah well, so I, I, uh i'm sorry about in, but i think when you when you look at the evolution of fort william over the years it's gone from sort of a, a muddy potholed kind of thing obviously the top bit changed for the worlds but you know that bottom section or that middle section before the deer fence down through the rocks now is like it's probably one of the roughest tracks now on the world cup circuit isn't it yeah from the deer gate to the woods is mm-hmm. yeah you're, you almost dread it it's that rough but um i think fort williams especially tough uh to build on you know it's it's effectively a peat bog on an open hillside yeah that's kind of get, gets washed away at the end of the season so <laughs> um you know it's certainly not the the best foundation to build on but you know every year by the time we get to the world cup the track's usually um pretty well prepped so it's uh yeah hopefully some some big changes for the coming years there yeah well i mean it's going going back to the actual the other there are more european venues and obviously the, the ones further afield can you ever see the world cups maybe heading uh obviously we've got a new venue next year or uh, 2018 yeah next year croatia for the first time uh can you see it maybe heading towards maybe the southern hemisphere as in southern america soon maybe somewhere like chile and things like that i don't know if there's been any interest from there um possibly yeah i mean i i, I don't really know much about that area of the world riding wise i mean i know the, the ews rounds from there have always looked really really cool but mm. i think it's a lot it's kind of a lot easier to um Ha, you know, have a, an EWS stage than it is to have a, a World Cup race course. Um, you know, the, the, those guys kind of can access, you know, a lot of the, the way they access stages is by bike, so they don't actually need a road, they just need a single track, whereas, you know, if we, we need a road or a gondola or, or whatever, so, you know, I can't imagine a push-up downhill World Cup in <laughs> South America would go down too well. Oh, but, maybe we just have um, an Alvey and Aviemore, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bring back um, the old yeah. push-up. But yeah. uh, but there there you go. Well, uh, what do you got? What what we maybe talk about now is maybe what sort of riding are you doing at the moment? Apart from obviously the odd wee bit on your local trails, is it are you mostly out in the road? Or are you getting a bit of trail riding in, or is that something that's not even on your radar at the moment? Um, doing quite a bit of trail riding at the moment. Um, there's, uh, I mean, the, the Tweed Valleys, the unofficial trail networks, um, going pretty strong at the moment. So. Uh, yeah, there's there's plenty of fresh technical stuff to ride, and um, you know I think this time of year it's almost pretty muddy and um, roots roots are everywhere. And I, like technically, I think it's it's really good. You know, it's 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 tricky to ride, and you know I, I've been spending a bit of time on the trail bike, and um, you know road, I've kind of probably done the majority of that already. Um, so uh, we're kind of getting into more you know sprint stuff and um yeah more more mountain bike based so uh yeah been um been getting back out but uh 
you know, the weather doesn't exactly help things. <laughs> no, I just remember I was, I was across there, I think, where did we go? Just before Christmas, where we sort of went out with Tommy and stuff. And uh, we had a few few trails over there, flat white and whatnot. I mean, that's a good little trail, but uh, Lou needs to get his spade out again and fix that one up, you know, because he did a good job first time around, but I think he needs to uh, get his spade out again and uh, fill a few of the holes in. What do you reckon? Uh, <laughs> well, I, well, yeah, well, I don't know how much spade work you put into the first build, to be honest. But um, yeah, it's it's a shame. I mean, you know, you look at a track like that, and and you know the the two main guys that built it, John um, John Jeffrey and Cal and Scott, um, they were on base last year, and uh, you know they put a hell of a lot of man hours into, it, and it took nearly a year to build, and then you know it it, it gets finished, it gets ridden for a summer. And, you know, the, the sheer amount of traffic down it and, you know, the things, you know, I, as you say, it, it's needing a bit of maintenance, but it's, um, it's I guess team. that's, it's it's one of these things, it's it's brilliant that mountain biking's that popular and that yeah. that many people are wanting to ride these trails, but there's there's kind of seems to be no way of, of giving back at the moment other than getting a spade and, and uh, doing it yourself. And then you've got to then question, you know, how many people actually know how to, like, build a turn or... Or yeah, build true. a section of trail, so true. I think it's 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 a tricky it's a tricky situation at the moment. But you know, I think um, there's been a few kind of groups going out on dig nights and, and putting a bit of time into repairing trails and stuff locally. And um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna need to try and get involved with one and um, and put some put some hours in with a spade because. There, there you, you know, go, that, uh, go, folks. Uh, you heard it first here. Rory Cunningham was a bit of himself out for uh, some free labour. <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, I'll make sure I'll make sure I put a post up when I do, so you know I'm not all sandbagging. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good stuff. Well, that's us been talking for just over an hour now, so um, you probably think, thought, yeah, so, we'll talk, we'll talk well, eh? <laughs> not short, not short of words. Yeah, that's right. So what about, what I'll do? I'll I'll kind of wind this up now. So I'm gonna gonna ask you a few quick questions here. So you're stuck in an airport. Who would be the most favorite? Who's your favorite person to be stuck in an airport with? Who rides downhill? Who rides downhill? Yeah. <laughs> no, nobody. <laughs> that, is a, that is a tough question. I've like having been around downhill riders in airports for the last ten years doesn't. Yeah, we all turn into arseholes if we're stuck in the airport, <laughs> so it's kind of tough. But um, okay, who's the biggest arsehole? I, then? <laughs> oh, probably me. Nah, I think um, I think I'd probably be with Greg Williamson because he finds anything funny and. I think he would probably bring my spirits up. So yeah, probably Greg. Because if I, you know what I mean. Yeah. I'd probably, I'd probably be able to find something amusing. He's, uh, he's a good laugh. <laughs> he is a good laugh. He was, he's at our at the Four Cross Wednesdays thing we had the other week there. So he was, uh, he was definitely showing everybody how to ride the uh, the big bikes. You know. Yeah, so, I bet you little... could see his grin from the start. Oh, the he's, he's, he's track, per- yeah. permanently smiling. But uh, <laughs> and and he was pimping his dad's big Merc as well. So he was like, you know. He was uh, he was balling that night, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there you go. Anyway, I'll, what we'll do, we'll wind it up there. So, um, all I'm going to say is thanks, thanks for taking the time out to join me tonight, and I wish you the best of luck for 2017. And uh, who knows, maybe a senior uh, rebel jersey this year. Ah, uh, who knows? Yeah, um, it's Cairns, isn't it? So, uh, 
Might have to, yeah, I think I'll have to spend the, the summer in the south of France getting used to the heat before I <laughs> have any chance at Cairns. But um, yeah, no, um, I'm looking forward to it and uh, thanks for having me on and I'll uh, maybe see you at Four Cross Wednesday sometime soon. Yeah, maybe get you out, but you've you got to be quick out the gate, mate. You can't get beaten by a mid-40-year-old, you know what I mean? Oh, is it finished at the first corner, is it? Yeah, it always <laughs> does with me. <laughs> All right, mate. Th- th- thanks very much. It's been great talking to you. Good to talk to you too, mate. Cheers. Well, everyone, that's it for this episode. I'd like to say thanks to Riri for joining us. It's taken a wee while to get him online. But I uh, wish him the best of luck for 2017. Hopefully see some great results from him and his fellow teammates on Team Canyon. Well, uh, the next episode is due to be recorded shortly, so uh, keep your eyes peeled on the website and our social media channels to see who's joining us next. I can't give too much away now, but it'll be worth it. More interesting conversation coming up in episode 9. This has been a production by DescentWorld.co.uk.